0: So here we are, again. And uh... (coughs) Yeah, just feeling that. Yeah, here we are. Again, meeting our experience. And continuing to meet it as we listen. Listening internally as well as externally. Before I go more fully into the reflections for this evening, just to mention that the schedule for tomorrow will be uh, up um, before the end of today yeah, and wake up will be at the same time you'll be glad to hear. Uh, there won't be uh, mindful movement tomorrow, instead there'll be a sitting here at 6.25. And then at 5 to 7 we ask uh, everyone to be here because that will be when we speak about dhāna practice and also uh, when the coordinators will give some practical information uh, around how the day is going to unfold tomorrow. So. That's the the kind of immediate things that we need to know and the rest will be unveiled uh, when the schedule magically appears as it does on the notice board. So we can listen internally and just see if that, saying that, hearing that, has that had any impact? And what happens if we bring any of the practices we've been cultivating to that whether it's metta, softening, opening, relaxing the contraction, noticing the Vedana that whisper, not me, not mine to <laughs> whatever's arising. I'd like to, this evening, explore a little bit more the relationship of metta and insight. Which is, you may or may not remember the theme of this retreat, the title. And so we've been exploring, unpacking, opening um, metta as a way of looking and a way of relating to experience, yeah, that we can uh, cultivate. And we've had different ways here, yeah, to explore this, to see what happens when we explore metta, not uh, just as a um, intention or as an emotion, um, but actually as a relationship to experience, as a way of relating, a way of looking. Had experience. I was remembering that um, Christina Feldman—I think Tony mentioned her, one of the co-founders of Guy House. She speaks of meta and and meta's uh, sister qualities, as I call them: compassion, appreciative joy, and equanimity. Speaks of them as attitudinal commitments. Yeah. Attitude commitments. I find that quite beautiful. But the question for us is, what happens when we explore metta as a relationship to experience, to different aspects of experience, and we've had a chance to do that, so perhaps we can uh, reflect, how does uh, relating, looking at a difficult relationship rather than a difficult person or being? How does that impact our capacity uh, to connect to a friendly attitude, to incline towards a friendly attitude and an intention of goodwill towards somebody? Looking at the relationship. Again, that movement that we've been speaking of, of kind of uh, um, that pull that we have towards... um, Focusing on the object and just easing that, focusing instead, looking instead at the relationship, and as we do that, we may have noticed, yeah, either you know in that practice yesterday with bringing the meta to um, the difficult relationship today with the meta to phenomena, we may have noticed that as we do that, something dissolves, yeah, oh. In the language that's often used in the teaching, something unbinds, It's less bound, is less entangled, and opens, and of course that means less contraction, less dukkha, less distinct and separate sense of self, or sense of other. So a lot of (laughs) lesses. And also, more, more possibility, yeah, more possibilities of response, more possibilities of um, attention. So another way of saying this is that we can see meta as uh, a vehicle, yeah? a vehicle for understanding um, the heart of. Dharma teachings, yeah, the core of Dharma teachings, the depth of Dharma teachings, which is the understandings of um, dependent origination and emptiness, mm-hmm. and that is, you know, and that is that any appearance arises dependent on conditions, yeah, and therefore it changes as those conditions change, yeah. This is the understanding yeah, of dependent origination and emptiness. This is what we mean. Any appearance arises dependent on conditions. And because it is dependent on conditions, it changes when those conditions change. Yeah. So we can say, for example, you know, this yeah, you know, what's happening right now in the hall, this talk, yeah, is dependent, yeah and conditioned on many things for example your presence <laughs> yeah for example um your listening yeah you could be present but not listening <laughs> and that would change something yeah that would change something dependent on the particular coming together yeah of all of us here yeah and here here in the hall here in the online hall yeah all of us dependent also on how you're listening yeah and how i'm listening on the way of relating So, what would it be? Uh, one of our teachers used to say, teachers and friends used to say, Listen on your toes. <laughs> listen on your toes. You know, what would it mean to listen on your toes? As if you're like, On your toes. Listen on your toes. What does that do? Yeah? When we think about it. What would, what it, what would it mean to listen with Metta? Yeah? It's another one we can play with. Kind of how we listen also shapes the actual kind of coming together of something like a talk, yeah. Something like this kind of meeting. So we could say, yeah, that any, whenever there's an appearance, whenever there's a phenomena, whenever there's an experience, yeah made up of things leaning on each other, yeah, coming together. It's a beautiful image in the teachings, yeah, like, yeah, you can get the sense of the times, yeah, but you still see this in many parts of the, of the world, that things come together the way um, sheaves of rice, yeah, lean on each other, yeah, bundles of rice lean on each other in the field after they've been cut waiting to be gathered in, yeah. and so they leaning on each other, which is what allows them to stand. yeah you took one out yeah. And this is true of everything. Everything leans yeah. on countless causes and conditions, including the heart and mind yeah. including the heart and mind. Yeah, which is to say the way of looking, the way of relating. I really want to pause there and and, invite us to feel that. Whatever, whatever arises in you in response to that, everything leans. Arises dependent on the way of looking. So this understanding, yeah, this is an understanding of emptiness, that all appearances are empty of a separate, independent self. Yeah? Essence or identity. All appearances Are empty of a separate independent essence or identity. They arise dependent on other things. This understanding can be practiced, is a practice. So just like Nathan was reminding us yesterday again and again, this isn't about here's the ultimate truth, I have it take it or leave it, yeah, believe it or disbelieve it, not that, yeah, like what happens when we look that way, yeah, what happens when we look that way, what happens when we practice looking that way, if the heart-mind plays a part in the shaping of our experience yeah? then what if we intentionally bring wholesome attitudes forth, yeah? cultivate wholesome ways of relating yeah? towards phenomena, towards experience like metta. And that of course is what we were doing this afternoon in the practice, remember that? Seemed like a long time ago. Yeah. And that is what we've been practicing through the retreat, through our time together. But really remembering it's it's a practice, it's a training. Yeah. It's a training. I'm more and more I'm appreciating that word. I used to not like it very much. Coming growing up in a militaristic culture. It's got a certain connotation. Yeah. Then, realizing no training, yeah, we're training in ways of looking and ways of relating that are skillful that are wholesome because they reduce dukkha, so our interest, yeah, is not you know sometimes we hear, and sometimes it's spoken of, you know emptiness is spoken of as a state to be reached or a goal to be achieved, but that's not what is interesting for us here. Yeah. It's a thread of insight to be followed. Yeah. A thread of insight that liberates us and that we can deepen in. Yeah. To see how as we cultivate more wholesome ways of relating, including this yeah, emptiness view, yeah. as we cultivate, as we develop, yeah, we're fabricating less. We're constructing less. Less what? Less contraction. Less dukkha. Which means more ease and more well-being for ourselves and others. So here's a a a, a, a short well shortish <laughs> bit from a from a sutta from a text where. The Buddha is speaking to some of his uh, disciples, students and he says to them others may address you in a timely way or an untimely way. They may address you with what is true or what is false. They may address you in an affectionate way or a harsh way. They may address you in a beneficial way an unbeneficial way. They may address you with a mind of metta or with a mind of hate. In any event, yeah. you should train yourselves. Our minds will be unaffected. I'll come back to this in a moment. Our minds will be unaffected and we will say no evil words. We will remain sympathetic to that person's welfare with the mind of metta and with no inner hate. We will keep pervading them with an awareness imbued with metta and beginning with them, we will keep pervading the all-encompassing world with an awareness imbued with metta, equal to the river Ganges, really big river equal to the river Ganges, abundant, exalted, immeasurable, free from hostility, free from ill will. This is how you should train yourself." So, I, I love this. <laughs> and again, listen internally what arises. You know, this, And I want to go back to that uh, first suggestion there where he says our minds will be unaffected. Um, the unaffected can include the noticing, just like we're doing here, of what is arising yeah, and then working with that. Yeah. So it's not like uh, someone's speaking to me with inner hate and it's not impacting. It's impacting perhaps, maybe affecting, and what can I do with that? Yeah, how can I open so that what comes through me then doesn't reflect that back, yeah, that's the, that's the skillfulness. And the reminder, this is an aspiration and a training, yeah, it's not on off, yeah, if, if that's not you, come on, you know, yeah, but this is a training and an aspiration. An invitation yeah, to attend to our own heart mind, yeah, to refine it, incline it to the wholesome, train it yeah, in the wholesome as a process. Yeah, it's a process. Yeah. I'm just remembering the way we were reminded yesterday, seeing the sense of self as a process or as, as an activity. Yeah. Also, how we show up how we're impacted, how we practice. It's a process, a training. And to remember that as we do that, we are changing, yeah, our own experience. And we're changing the world, yeah, really important. It's a practice of transformation. Let's put our cards on the table. (laughs) This is a practice of transformation, yeah. Transformation of suffering. And transformation of suffering, you know, doesn't see these limits. My suffering, our suffering, yeah. Goes beyond that in the aspiration. So there's a beautiful little couplet from the Dhammapada, which also is saying kind of the same thing here that the Buddha is elaborating on, but saying it just in a couple of sentences, yeah. This is one of the greatest inspirations of my life, yeah hatred isn't stilled through hatred hatred is stilled through non-hatred this an unending truth hatred isn't stilled by hatred hatred is stilled through non-hatred this an unending truth. And I love that unending, (laughs) yeah, unending truth, something to continue to practice, to train, to explore. And again, we've had tastes of this, yeah, through our practice over these days, right. Tuning in to that non hatred yeah, cultivation with our own experience towards others. Yeah. Tuning into that and seeing the impact uh, that it has. So I said that earlier, I said that, you know, everything in this world, in the all appearances lean, yeah? lean on something. And I like to think of metta and emptiness as uh, leaning on each other. Yeah? Leaning on each other. We can say metta practice reveals the understanding of emptiness to us, reveals it, through the softening and the opening of that sense of self and other, yeah, yeah sense of our fixity and reality of things. Yeah. It also reveals emptiness because it exposes the impact of the way of looking on experience. Yeah, we meet something with metta, which you know, at its kind of subtle edge is just non hatred, yeah, non enmity. Can meet something with that, yeah. that yeah changes the experience. And there's been so many examples here over the days yeah, of that understanding. You can say that meta practice is also an application of the insight of emptiness, yeah. because if we take that. Insight, take that understanding, Yeah, that the way of relating, the way of looking shapes experience. Yeah? Why not cultivate the wholesome ways of relating? Yeah? If the way of relating shapes experience, isn't it worthwhile yeah? cultivating ways of relating that shape experience towards the wholesome? You know, that impact the mind, that impact experience, both in the short and the long term, in wholesome ways that reduce suffering. So, I want to give an example of this from my own experience. I hope it will make sense. Um, sometimes I'm More intelligent and I write down the examples (laughs) so that I don't get carried away but I haven't done it so I'm sitting here and thinking ah relax the contraction (laughs) (laughs) and apologize in advance if I get carried away. Okay so um, some of you may know that Nathan and I um, spend uh, regular times in Palestine um, supporting um, Palestinian farmers and um, Palestinian communities in different ways. And I'm originally from Israel. My family is uh, Jewish-Israeli. During COVID uh, we were uh, We went to visit uh, just before, ended up spending 14 months uh, in Israel with my mum, which was a very beautiful experience, getting carried away already, you see. And during that time, a friend asked me if I would join a group that was starting to meet. And it was a group of uh, Jewish-Israeli Um, activists who were all also interested in environmental issues and Jewish Israeli settlers in the West Bank who were also interested in um, environmental action and the motivation for this group was that if we could bring some dialogue together then we could protect a very large area of Palestinian farmlands yeah, through making them uh, in, a, in an environmentally sensitive area, through making them a a UN, um, there's a name for it, biozone or something like that. That was the motivation. Anyway, long story, difficult, <laughs> yeah? Let's say it like that. Difficult, yeah, to do for me, yeah? But I decided to do it as a practice, yeah? And, it, and we would meet, we, we met mostly online because it was during COVID times. Um, and yeah, difficult difficult, difficult, difficult. Um, At some point during this, uh, I can't remember how long it was, eight, nine months of meetings, um, I went on a one-month retreat and just before I went on that one-month retreat I thought I don't think I can do this, (laughs) you know, I'm gonna have to to stop, it's just too hard. The meetings, the retreat wasn't too hard. (laughs) I went on this one-month retreat and practiced yeah you kind of have a sense of what that is right yeah and very shortly after that one month retreat there was a meeting of this group and maybe i'll just say that the difficult thing is is that the different narratives yeah so hearing very very different narratives same area, we know really well, area where we've been working for 15 years, we know really well, I know really well, they know really well, but the narratives are very very different, yeah, how do we, how do we make the me? And i had been practicing the whole time, yeah, exactly this, yeah, non-hatred, <laughs> metta, someone says something, the Buddha this sutta, yeah, they may speak like this, or you, they may speak like that, work internally, work internally, yeah, and what comes out, with non-hatred yeah what comes out with non-hatred so that was the practice all along after this retreat i came to the zoom meeting and i sat there someone started speaking Whoosh! wave of metta really strong yeah really really strong someone else said something else and wave of metta <laughs> yeah and it was a very interesting experience yeah because I felt so much love, yeah, so much love for these people, which you know I emphasized the difficulty before, it wasn't just yeah, and the practice wasn't just that one month yeah that that was helpful, yeah, but the capacity to see the human being, yeah to keep seeing the human being, keep seeing the human being, but that particular experience yeah, was very powerful because um, I could feel the huge matter, yeah just. Dissolving everything. And then with that, still the capacity to discern. Yeah? No, I don't agree with that. Yeah? And the two, seemingly contradictory, not contradictory at all. Yeah? Yeah? Complete non hatred, non enmity, love. Yeah? Really strong love. Yeah? And at the same time, for great clarity. Yeah? I don't agree with that. Yeah, I don't agree with that. And from that time, kind of my practice in that group kind of really grew. Yeah, really, really grew. And the capacity to communicate, yeah, to say things, yeah, in ways that uh, didn't cause a shutdown. Yeah, very, very interesting. Yeah, one of them. I've I've read this a couple of times in talks, but didn't bring it with me so it'll be for my memory. One of them wrote to me at the end of those meetings. He said, Whenever I think of those that I know hold a different view to mine, yeah, I remember you. And that impacts, yeah? That impacts how I hold my view. Yeah. And so the power of this practice, yeah. The power of this practice I mean, think, yes, yeah, we're working on this. We are. But this is not separate yeah, from who we meet, from how we are, from the world that we live in. Yeah. It's not. And just this October, we uh, brought a group that had been with us in Palestine harvesting. And we met with some of uh, these people that I now call friends, yeah? some of the people that had been with me in those meetings uh, agreed to meet our group yeah? and to kind of have some communication. And the interesting thing for me there was that, you know, I go back to those opposite narratives and narratives are a way we protect ourselves, yeah? a way we protect ourselves. I tell myself a certain story about how you are, yeah, and I keep that story alive. It's a protection not to see, yeah, not to see the things that will uh, bre- break my heart yeah, or that will shake um, the core of how I'm living my life. And this is true for all of us. Yeah? So these different narratives, and it was very interesting in that meeting, someone in the group who had been, in Palestine already 10 days, would say something and be like, no, that's not true, this is the truth, Yeah. no that doesn't happen, this happens. Yeah. Until I said something, <laughs> and when I said, but you know, this happened yesterday, and then there was trust. Yeah. And so there's something about that befriending, there's something about that non-hatred, uh, that in my experience, yeah, can go beyond our habits of defending ourselves. Yeah, the way we hold on to what makes us feel safe. Yeah. When we can yeah, we truly feel a different, a deeper kind of safety. Yeah. When we know that the intention is for our own good. Yeah. And that's the power of meta, <laughs> is holding the other, yeah, dear even if we don't agree. So the way of looking, the way of relating is so significant, yeah. Impacts our own experience, yeah. But impacts equally others and the world, yeah. Others and the world. Yeah? Because of this, yeah. We lean on each other, we lean on each other, and so that means that there's something we can offer to the world as practitioners, yeah? as people training yeah? on this path in these ways. Our very beloved friend and teacher, who a lot of the practices, the teachings we've been sharing here come from him, Rob Baer, he used to say, We can choose to see with metta. We can choose to look with metta. It's a choice that we can have and the more we train in it, the more available it becomes to us. And why choose that? Because it liberates. Because it transforms suffering over and over we can choose this way, we can train this way, we can practice this way. So metta reveals emptiness but the insight into emptiness also reveals metta and compassion and we heard that in the question and response today those of you who are here. yeah. Insight into emptiness reveals metta and compassion as both a spontaneous and natural arising, but also as the sanest way, the wisest way of relating available to us. Yeah. The wisest, the most sane way available. And sometimes I play with this and I... Invite others to just play with imagining for ourselves a world of meta, yeah, a world where we were trained in this, yeah. All of us, yeah, a world of meta. And often I remind myself, yeah, that this is what we're doing. This is what we're nourishing through our practice. We're nourishing metta, compassion, wisdom in the world. We're nourishing a world of care and kindness, a world of wisdom, the opposite of avidya, of ignorance, a world of wisdom, a world of peace, love and understanding. I'm not going to sing the song. neither is Nathan, it seems. A world of peace, love and understanding. And really important to say, in case, sometimes it's not clear, yeah, so really important to say, understanding emptiness, understanding um, dependent origination, practicing metta and compassion doesn't mean, yeah, that we condone, that we enable. Or that we agree with harmful actions, yeah. It doesn't mean that we don't respond, it doesn't mean that we don't work towards the alleviation of suffering and its causes in the world, yeah. It actually means the opposite, yeah. It actually means the opposite. The insight of emptiness, of seeing the conditionality of all things, The non separateness, the non independence of anything, yeah, calls us to action. It calls us to action. The circle of our care and our concern grows. It cannot stay limited, yeah, just to this or just to who is like me, yeah, or who is dear to me, yeah. So the circle of our care and concern grows and the resources that are available to us, yeah, also grow. Sometimes I say this and it takes people by surprise, but metta, compassion, yeah, joy, equanimity, these are powers, superpowers. <laughs> the superpowers. Yeah. Superpowers. But they're not ones that, you know, we need to have some freak accident in order to develop. <laughs> we can train, yeah. we can train in them, we can cultivate them, and as we do they become sources of strength for us, of resilience for us. Yeah. Uh, a few weeks ago I, I had a meeting that I was really dreading. <laughs> It's going to be really hard. Yeah. It wasn't this kind of meeting. It was some organizational meeting. I was really dreading it. And I knew I was going to have a different view to a lot of people there. It was going to be really hard. And so I just was like, ah, metta. Metta, metta, metta. Just practice metta. Because, you know, of the protection it gives, yeah? It protects the heart, yeah? protects the heart. If I can be there with metta, my heart is actually protected. It goes against our intuition many times. But it's the best protection that we could have. So the circle of our care and concern grows. The resources, the resilience available to us grows. And so we bring in emptiness. Emptiness as a way of looking, to see the wider and bigger picture. And that supports us yeah, in transforming ignorance, in transforming injustice, in transforming oppression in our own hearts and through our actions and our choices and in the world. Yeah. i give a little bit, a li- another little example of my mother. <laughs> and these last, don't know what it is now, a couple of months in Israel, very difficult because of a very difficult government change. And all my family, all my friends, they're protesting, yeah, and my 81, nearly 82 year old mum leading, <laughs> and she said to me after the first one, she was like, oh, there's so much anger, yeah, there's so much hatred. Yeah, I don't, I don't resonate with that. It doesn't do me good. So the next time, <laughs> the next week she came uh, and she'd printed out songs <laughs> and she got our little family group together and they were singing and she was passing out the words to other people. Yeah? And what a meta-practice, right? It's like, ah, uh, the energy that this is being done with, it's not, it doesn't resonate with me. It's not what I want to... I want to protest, but I don't want it to be in this kind of vibe, so I sing, yeah, so I sing, yeah. So we, we bring in emptiness as a way of looking, we see the wider and the bigger picture, yeah, we see the small things we can do, the attunements we can make, to be aligned, yeah, to be aligned to transform ignorance, to transform injustice and oppression, in our own hearts, and through our actions and our choices in the world. And this understanding of emptiness, this understanding of metta, I think one of the biggest resources it offers us is to see things in the long view. Some of my friends, also activists in Palestine, also practitioners, sometimes they say, ah, it's not working. What we're doing, it's not working. And I remind us, I remind them, I remind myself, we're in the business of awakening. (laughs) That's a long-term project. If I got disheartened, that my awakening is not complete and far from it, I would stop practicing, yeah, on a personal level, in the same way in how we are in the world, whether, yeah, our personal lives, our professional lives, our family lives, our activist lives, yeah, which I include a lot of things in activism, (laughs) not just protesting, yeah, yeah, remembering, this is for the long run, it's like planting, yeah, An oak tree, yeah? It's like my beloved Palestinian friends who are like brothers and sisters to me, planting olive trees, yeah? Again and again, for the long run, yeah? For the big view, for the next generations, yeah? That's our business. of awakening and transformation of suffering. So as we practice, as we deepen, as we train, ignorance is transformed into compassion and wisdom, moment by moment, drop by drop. And yet every moment of wisdom and clear seeing is a gift to the world, is precious in itself, because it is a condition this in the moment is precious, but also because it is a condition for future moments, yeah, for future arising, a f- supportive condition for future understanding. So, wisdom, yeah, and metta, mm. compassion, yeah, emptiness, they all come together, yeah, come together, weave together supported by and nourishing, the wish to bring an end to suffering, in all its manifestations, in all its forms, and on all levels. So that's what we might like us to remember, yeah. Even as conditions uh, change from moment to moment, from day to day. Remember this. Our practice, our actions, our choices, they matter. They make the world, they shape the world. So sometimes we use this image of as conditions change, as retreats transition, which we'll talk about more tomorrow. We use this image of all of us dispersing into the world like a mist of metta. But I'm going to give you that image of the mist of metta flowing into the world. Uh, And equally I want to use the image of You know, seeds spreading into the world. And we can imagine, yeah. All of us as oak seeds (laughs) Germinating beautifully in our unique ways. Spreading into the world to offer our unique gifts. Remembering. Yeah. Remembering metta. Remembering insight. And remembering possibilities. So let's have a quiet moment together to bring this to a close. May the seeds of our practice continue to nourish our commitment, our creativity, our care and may our practice together be a support for the transformation of suffering in all its forms, in all its manifestations. So thank you for your listening and for your co-creation of this talk together. Now we have some time for walking before our final sitting of the day together.